You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our final examination of the, of the Battle of Uhud, which was a very significant battle in the religion of Islam. Previously, we examined the events of the battle, how the Prophet was put in a very dangerous situation as many of the companions fled the battlefield and the enemies got very close to the Prophet and he sustained a number of serious injuries and wounds. In our discussion, we will examine some outstanding details of the battle and also we present an analysis of the battle and the aftermath of the battle. Really, what saved Muslims on that day, the Battle of Uhud, which was so close to a total defeat for the Muslims, and the Prophet was almost being fatally attacked. What really saved the Muslims on that day is the defense of Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib Ibn al-Athir, the Sunni historian, he says the Prophet became the object of the attack of various units from the Quraysh army, from all sides. He says, Ali attacked in compliance with the Prophet's orders, every unit that made an attack upon him and dispersed them or killed some of them. And this happened a number of times. We have here a historian who has written on the Sirah and the biography of the Prophet who is testifying that Imam Ali really gets the credit for defending the Prophet Muslims must not forget this. When Muslims are looking at their history and they're looking at the legacy of the Caliphs as if those Caliphs saved Islam, that is not the case. Imam Ali is the one who saved this pure religion from being, you know, this close to defeat. And it really is unfair to put him at par with other companions of the Prophet who did not do what he did on the day of Uhud. Had it not been for the sacrifices of the Imam, the Prophet would have been fatally wounded. Yes, Allah of course can do a miracle to save his Prophet, but if things had continued naturally, they would have killed the Prophet In fact, they got so close to killing the Prophet that they actually thought they killed the Prophet and they spread the rumor that the Prophet was killed. So Imam Ali really saved Islam on that day. Now what was the death toll? Ibn Hisham mentions that the pagans lost 22 of their fighters. Out of these 22, 12 were killed by Imam Ali So if you look at the death toll from the pagan side, basically more than half of them were killed by one man by one Muslim, by Ali ibn Abi Talib And from the Muslim side, 
the death toll was 70. So you could see how the Muslims really suffered on that day. More than triple the number of casualties that the pagans had. They had 22, the Muslims had 70. So it was really a sorrowful day. We also examined before some other warriors who stood by the side of the Prophet such as Abu Dujana. He really did play a role in saving the life of the Prophet. Another great warrior who was killed and martyred as we examined before was Hamza, Sayyid al-Shuhada, the master of martyrs. Hamza was a staunch supporter of the Prophet and if you remember from last year, we talked about his Islam, how Hamza became Muslim and how he struck Abu Jahl, he hit him because Abu Jahl had harassed the Prophet Hamza had just come back to the city of Mecca after a hunting trip and he heard what Abu Jahl did to the Prophet. So with so much courage, he walked up to Abu Jahl and he taught him a good lesson. This was Hamza, this courageous man. If you remember at Badr, he killed some warriors from the pagan side. So Hamza really did give a big sacrifice at the battle of Uhud. The one who killed him, Wahshi, the Ethiopian slave, he narrates what happened on that day and how he killed Hamza. He says, on the day of Uhud, I was pursuing Hamza. He was attacking the center of the army like a ferocious lion. He killed everyone whom he could approach. Wahshi says, I hid myself behind the trees and some stones so that he could not see me and then suddenly he surprised him with an attack and he threw the javelin at him, it landed on his flank. He says, Hamza wanted to attack me but the severe pain prevented him from doing so and out of severe pain he could not move and in that state his soul departed from his body. He said, I came to his body and I carefully pulled out the javelin, the spear, you know, from his body and I returned to the army of Quraysh waiting for my freedom because he was promised by Hind and Abu Sufyan that if he were to kill one of these three, the Prophet Imam Ali or Hamza, he would be liberated. So he wanted his freedom. Wahshi says, after the battle of Uhud, I continued to live in Mecca for a number of years until the conquest of Mecca. When the Muslims came to Mecca, I was known to have killed the uncle of the Prophet. So I feared that Muslims will retaliate and kill me because I had blood on my hands. So he said when the Prophet came with the Muslims during the conquest of Mecca, I fled to Ta'if. I spent some time there until Islam kept expanding and the city of Ta'if joined the Muslim lands. He's like, at that point I realized I have to do something to save my life because he was really concerned. He said, I heard that not a person goes to the Prophet Muhammad and asks for forgiveness, but he forgives him. I've heard this thing about the Prophet. So I told myself, why don't I give it a try? If he's forgiven anyone who's gone to him, I think he might forgive me. Look at the rahmah of the Prophet. Even his enemies realize, regardless of what they've done, if they go to him and apologize, 
and claim that they wanted to repent, he would forgive them, he would not execute them. So he said, I went and I saw the Prophet and I apologized and I said the shahadatain on my lips. I said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah and that you are the messenger of Allah. Now we can evaluate this position and say probably his Islam was superficial. He was just concerned for his life, for Muslims retaliating. So he just said the shahada basically to protect himself. He wanted the Prophet just to forgive him. The Prophet told him, are you the same Wahshi, the Ethiopian who killed Hamza? He said, I replied, yes, I am Wahshi, the one who killed your uncle. According to this narration, the Prophet asked him, tell me how did you kill my uncle? He says, I narrated to him exactly what happened. I gave him an account of how I killed Hamza. He said the Prophet was very moved. The Prophet started to cry on Hamza. Remember, this is years after Uhud, many years. But the Prophet still was very moved to hear this. Then, according to this narration, the Prophet told him, basically you're forgiven, we're not going to execute you, even though he deserved to be executed, but I cannot see your face while you're alive. So the Prophet respectfully told him that me seeing you is going to remind me of that tragedy and I don't want to be put in that position. So the Prophet respectfully asked him <coughs> basically not to show his face around. Remember, this is the killer of Hamza and probably the Prophet knew that he was not too sincere in his Islam. He just did so because he wanted to, you know, um, guarantee his security. Yes. What was his religion before? He was a Christian? Well, we can assume that if he came from Ethiopia, there was a Christian community in Ethiopia. So I don't know if he was a Christian or not. He may have been or he may have been an idol worshiper, I don't know what his religion was. But when he was living in Mecca with Hind and Abu Sufyan, he did practice idolatry. I didn't see any evidence of him being a Christian in Mecca and you know, practicing the Christian faith. It's possible but I didn't see any clues or hints in our, in our history. So the Prophet told him you know, to keep away not to see him. And Wahshi says so, so long as the Prophet was alive, I kept myself away from him. How do we know that probably his Islam was superficial? Ibn Hisham, the historian, he mentions, he says during the last days of Wahshi's life, he was like a black crow, always hated by Muslims because of his corruption. Time and time again he would be seen drunk and drinking wine. In fact, a few times he was punished, twice he was punished for drinking wine. He was so indecent such that Umar ibn al-Khattab, he would say the murder of Hamza does not deserve to be pardoned in the other world. The murder of Hamza does not deserve to be pardoned in the other world and his name was struck off from the army record. So when we look at the end of his life, there was a lot of corruption, he used to get you know, drunk and that's why we have reason to believe that probably his Islam was superficial and maybe that's why the Prophet asked him to keep away. If he was really sincere and genuine and he would really become a pious Muslim, 
I doubt the Prophet would have told him, I don't want to see you around. Because the Prophet is the symbol of Rahmah. Maybe the Prophet sensed that he was not sincere.